Welcome to Hiraith, a home for the left in Wales. Tonight we are joined by Bethan Syed, MS. She served in the Senate for South Wales West since 2007, but has recently announced she will not be seeking a re-election in May. Hello Bethan, how are you? Shema, yeah, I'm fine, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, very well, and thank you very much for coming. We want to start sort of at the beginning of your political career, if that's all right. I just wanted to talk to you about how you got involved in politics and what inspired you to get involved. Um, well, I've been sort of political since a very young age in the sense that uh, my family have always been involved in activism and campaigns. So growing up in the valleys in Murtha, uh, we would campaign quite strongly against open cast mining developments in the town, um, some directly behind uh, the mountains where we lived in Heelgerig, there were plans when I was very small for that to be open casted, but we successfully fought that. Um, and then um, my parents were involved in international campaigns as well, so we took to the streets of Murtha to campaign against apartheid in South Africa. We went to see Desmond Tutu um, speak. Um, at a local chapel and we would boycott South African goods and as children we would put all the food in the trolleys and we'd go to the checkouts and then we'd say we weren't paying because they were South African goods and um, we would be able to get away with those things a bit better than adults because we were small and we were cute so um, those are my earliest memories uh, of campaigning and um, taking part in choir activities with the Cor Cochion Cardiz um, and you know so it's in my blood in that sense. And my mother comes from um, the north of Ireland where, you know, she wasn't involved in any uh, political um, uh, set up there because it was so fractious, but she moved to Aberystwyth to get away from the Troubles, basically. She grew up in the height of the Troubles on the Falls Road. That's kind of shaped my politics as well in, in hearing about the discord there and how she what she would like to see a united Ireland um, in her lifetime. So we've always talked about politics around the table um, and always enjoyed those, you know, quite passionate discussions uh, from an early age. And so I went on to uni uh, to study it, not because I wanted to become a politician, but because I wanted to continue those conversations and potentially get involved in, in more activism, you know? You're from a traditionally quite Labour area. What inspired you to join Plaid as opposed to Labour? Well, from a really basic level, I mean, I grew up without a park in my village and every time we tried to get a park in Hilgerig in our village the Labour councillors would support the direct housing area uh, against having a park for children because it was impinging on their on their view or on their privacy and I thought you know and, and I was only young I was thinking well this is just not very fair so I grew up thinking they didn't really do very much for us I never saw any positive outcome from um, being in a Labour controlled uh, area although I have socialist values the Labour Party even when I was very small didn't really seem to me to be a party that was going very far in, in promoting that socialism as far as I was concerned um, and in university I guess when I got involved in student politics I became the campaigns officer um, of the student guild and then the, subsequently the president I was running in a lot of quite high profile campaigns um, against tuition fees um, against the Iraq war and so props Plaid Cymru sort of saw me and they tried to embrace a, a bit of that activity and I would um, come down to the bay and do some press conferences with politicians and Leanne Wood and David Ewan came to the Coops, uh, the pub, uh, the famous sort of 
Welsh language pub in Aberystwyth and she inspired me because finally after years of growing up in a town where like you say you'd naturally think you would be Labour I saw a politician who looked like me talked like me was passionate like me and she was in Plaid Cymru and so I was like well you know let's 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 talk about this a bit more let's see if I if that, if this is somewhere where I can fit you know and you're, you're in Aberystwyth, aren't you? It's a really quite nationalistic town. Let's, let's be frank, Labour were nowhere to be seen. So even if you had student debates, you know, the Conservatives were actually stronger in Aberystwyth. So, you know, and also I'm passionate about Wales. Even if I didn't identify as Applied Cymru uh, member until, until later on in my 20s, I was still, I felt that Wales deserved better and we needed to be somewhere on the world stage. So it was always going to be somewhere a home for me implied, you know, uh, you know, uh, and people that I could get on with. Did the idea of independence appeal to you initially, or was it something you've sort of grown to embrace as a political idea? Well, I mean, like I say, I, I was more inspired by trying to get involved in community activism and change uh, on a very micro level a bit about what your you know podcast discusses a lot of you know in terms of getting the grassroots um involvement from people it wasn't something that i had thought through um hugely on a personal level although studying international politics i clearly had studied you know various forms of nationalism and ideological uh, processes um but you know for me it's about what type of independence we want to see and for me, I would not want to just declare independence tomorrow just for the sake of it. I would want to be clear that we had a route map that was going to be rooted in social justice and principled values where we would, you know, look at ourselves as a piece in the world as opposed to trying to pull up borders and to vilify anybody really who comes into this nation of ours so for me we have to be really clear that um it has to be as open and inclusive as it possibly can be and sometimes i do question whether the independence movement is going that way and we have to really get people involved who are progressive who are radical who are not going to be perceived to be trying to close down debate and to not welcome you know people with niche issues or you know woke woke people like myself uh, and that we're going to be uh, those debates are going to be welcome because you know at the end of the day that's the, that's my type of autonomy not not closed borders and closed minds so you were elected first time in 2007 how do you think the well what was the welsh assembly now the welsh parliament has changed since 2007 do you think it's a Welsh democracy in a better place than it was 13 years ago or do you think there's uh, more dangers ahead? Well I think it clearly is better in the sense that um, you know I was uh, you know one of those uh, young people who first studied uh, devolution because the, the, the Senate had just been created I was too young to vote in the referendum but I went on a few of the marches so we were sort of guinea pigs in this whole you know study of of, of devolution and so when I went to the, the, the assembly as it was you could see that it didn't have the teeth and you could see that that was frustrating for politicians um, and for those who worked there so it's really grown as an institution and of course when I was elected in 2007 um, we negotiated with the Labour Party as part of a coalition to um, campaign for a referendum on more powers for Wales and that was something I was proud of of course you know it was controversial to, to go into coalition with them but for me it was about getting those additional powers to Wales putting the national cause before my own political gain of being a minister in a rainbow alliance that you know we would have 
gone down the wrong route of history for um, to progressing uh, the national discourse. So I think we've gone from strength to strength. We've got much more powers now. We've introduced good legislation. You know, we could be doing better because I think if we had more uh, members and we had more robust scrutiny as a consequence of that, we would be a stronger institution. So I, I think we've we've gone um, far, but we could go further and we've got to be more ambitious for our nation. And I think that's where I think you need a change of government because it's getting quite tired now. And they should probably internally acknowledge that they are getting tired uh, and they're there for power's sake. And, you know, let's have a have a change of government so that we can see what 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 Wales can do differently. You know, you mentioned discourse a little. Do, how do you think it's changed being a politician in terms of discourse? Do you think it's harder now to be a politician? than it was when you were first elected in terms of the sort of feedback you get on social media etc well for me like i've said to lots of people it's never really <laughs> it's always been pretty relentless and it's always been pretty difficult you know i was elected as a young female uh, politician from the south wales valleys I, and i was voted in at the top of a list system that many in my own party didn't really like either let alone the, the wider public and so I always felt I had to justify why I was there and I've always felt that pressure so for me I think I've been able to develop a thicker skin than perhaps some other politicians uh, <laughs> who are older than me because of the fact that I've had to um, always deal with social media so even if it was a blog in 2006 or 2009 and leaving an anonymous comment that those are things that I've always had to deal with and it's not right and it's not nice but it's just how I've grown up, I think. This has been my journey through life, being a politician. Um, so it's um, quite an unusual situation to be probably one of the most senior politicians in my group, but also still one of the youngest. So um, I think I've grown and I've changed and I've matured in, in the public eye. You know, I've done some bad things. I've, done, I've made mistakes. I, I know that. But I've also become a better person and I've come out of uh, difficult situations in my life, but through the prism of, you know, media whales <laughs> quite often. Um, uh, and, you know, it, it, it makes you more resilient and it makes you a stronger person. So while I would never want that to happen to me again, and I would look back and feel quite... Um, tense about some situations that I've been in I, I wouldn't change it because I think it's made um, me who I am but I think for people entering politics now it still is difficult to energize on a positive level because I know even if they're the most brilliant person on the face of the earth they will still get treated badly they will still get those trolls they will still get hounded they could be the most virtuous person and they will still somebody will find something to criticize them for so it is a really difficult um environment out there and i you know i still want people to get involved in politics but i want them to be realistic that they will have to take a bit of that you know they will have to take a bit of that negativity on board um to get through things you know <laughs> we've talked about the senate a bit what about pride itself how has that changed in the well since you joined and since you became elected to now, obviously you've been through a different couple of different leaders, but what are the differences, main differences between the party of old and the modern party? Well, I mean, I was a member from when I was 24 and then I was elected, sorry, 23, and then I was elected at 25. So if, for me, um, my, my experience has uh, been 
mostly as an elected politician. So from 2007, I was thrust into this conversation about coalitions and I felt like a rabbit in the headlights. You know, I was just like, what is going on? We were having these conversations every day. We were going into private rooms and we were negotiating and documents were being drafted willy nilly. And I was just like, I don't know if this is what I signed up to, but this is what's happening. Um, so that was so intimidating. And yeah, Owen Jones clearly was our leader at the time. And I kind of sensed that he wasn't really in favour of having any coalition deal with Labour. And so it took me, Helen Mary Jones, Leanne and uh, Neris Evans at the time to sort of come out publicly against that coalition because we thought we're just going to be riding this tide and we're going to get caught up in this if we don't watch ourselves. So um, we made ourselves pretty unpopular pretty quick in the party. Um, and so that was a really difficult time for me, if I'm honest, um, with the leadership, if I'm totally frank. I mean, I can get on with the AM and Jones fine on a personal level, don't get me wrong, but it was politically difficult. And then obviously down the line, Leanne became leader and I supported her having, um, you know, been her um, friend and ally for quite some time. So that was an, you know, a, a really good um, experience uh, to, to have, but, all, all, but it gave different challenges because before me and Leanne were sort of you know the backbenchers who were causing trouble and then suddenly you know Leanne's leading the party and having to uh, implement those disciplinary actions that she would have been um, hit with in the past so um, that was quite amusing but also um, difficult on occasions especially when I had to go into a room and answer to her on things uh, that she may have thought that I had done, <laughs> done wrong so and then obviously with Adam now um, there's a change of style and a change of pace and uh, you know it's, it's you know, I think it's healthy for, for change to happen. Although, you know, I, I did support Leanne to carry on. You know, everybody knows that. Um, but, you know, things change and then we adapt and we'll see now how we go um, in the end of elections next year. Weird to a lot of people, I think, that when they see the support for independence growing so much, but they don't necessarily see that growing number of support for Plaid in opinion polls, etc. Why do you think that is? Well, I think because, um, which I didn't mention earlier when we were talking about the independence movement, I think because um, we have to acknowledge the fact that in, well, in South Wales at least, you know, a big percentage of the votes are, are Labour uh, and we have to attract um, Labour members to the independence cause. And that's tricky because on one hand, ele electorally, you want to be pushing plies all the time in relation to independence. But then you've got to acknowledge that in Wales, it's very different to Scotland. We have to be um, trying to encourage those softer Labour voters who are nationalistic um, and former Lib Dem voters who currently have no home, potentially, that, that independence is something for them and that, is it, that it is inclusive um, of them. So why we may not be growing the polls is because people may be getting involved in, yes, Cymru or uh, Indod, um, like they would Amnesty or Oxfam, but they're not getting involved in Plaid as a political movement, uh, as a machine. Uh, and we have to question why that is as well. I think we have to be frank about that. Is there something negative about us and they're not attracted to the party po politic machinery? Because I say to people like my father, who's in Yes Cymru, who isn't really wanting to get involved in party politics, I said, you know, look at Nicola Sturgeon and the SNP. Without them leading, 
a government, you will not get independence. And so if you are a floating voter or if you don't like some aspects of Plaid, but you want to see independence, I would say for now, we have to try and encourage more people to vote for, for Plaid just to, to realise that uh, aim. Or we have to really get on board with progressives in Labour um, who will want to um, work with us um, on that independence journey. So there's, there's different ways of looking at it and there's different um, strategies. And also in the past, you know, I can say it, I'm leaving soon. We haven't put independence front um, and centre of what we've done. You know, in some years we put it on page 53, you know, we've had criticism for that. If it's going to be our raison d'etre, you've got to put it on page one. You know, so it, I know it's, it could be seen as petty, but actually that is a statement in itself if you're not going to be forthright about it. So now we've got the Independence Commission, albeit it should be more diverse in its uh, outlook. I think that's one, one thing I would say. But, you know, let's let's have the conversations now and stop talking about whether we want it or not. Just get on with it. Yeah, there's definitely a remarkable shift in gear, I think, since Adams uh, become leader in terms of independence. Do you think that's why he became leader? Do you think because he was more willing to be front and centre with independence? Or, or do you think there are other reasons? Well, I don't think Leanne didn't put independence front and centre, to be fair to her. I just think that, um, you know, perhaps people wanted a different person to, to lead that, um, that, that fight in, in the party. I, I didn't really understand that criticism of her because she's always been pretty strong in saying that's what she wants as well. Um, and she said so on many of the, the, the TV debates that she engaged with. Um, it's difficult to know. Sometimes I think people just you know, they have a leader for a certain amount of time and then naturally they want to to, to, to look for something else that may uh, inspire or may pr provide something different to, to the membership um, and to the nation. So I wouldn't necessarily say that it was solely to do with Adam, although yes, he has put it front and centre, um, but I wouldn't want to try and compare and contrast Leanne's efforts over Adam's because I think that she was at least seeking to try and do that. Um, but you can only do that if you know people want 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 to get on board with it. So it's it's a difficult one. I think um, it shouldn't just be reliant on the leaders as well. We've got lots of different sections in the party, uh, and it should be you know a, a, a team effort and a united effort to bring these ideas forward. Not just one commission sitting there. It has to be the women's section, the BME section, all feeding into uh, the, the, the conversations about what we want an independent Wales to be. You look back on your time in the Senate now, is there anything you're particularly proud of doing? Is there anything you'd change if you had your time again? Um, I'm proud of a lot of things because I see myself as a sort of politician activist. So there's been lots of campaigning that I've done over the years, for example, on eating disorder. We've campaigned actively for strategies and many, and that has been forthcoming. Um, the Vistian pensioners campaign, so campaigning for former Ford pensioners who had um, were worried that their pensions were going to be stripped from them and we we were successful in negotiating with Ford uh, on that that was the that, that was a campaign that went on for years and years and years um recently then stopping the super prison from being built uh, in in Port Talbot I've done a lot of work um, on the arts as chair of the the culture Welsh language uh, um, and communications committee um being the first chair to sort of openly ask the nation what they wanted us to look at and we did an inquiry into music uh, in education and I've done a lot of work then on Tata uh, Steel which um, there's loads of things that I, I'm proud of I mean <laughs> what would I change or what I 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Never been you know, tempted to, to run for leader or anything like that? Or? No, no, I'm not. I'm not uh, interested <laughs> in that type of thing. I mean, I've got <laughs> ideas and I've got I've got views and I'm just comfortable sort of advocating for the, the area that I'm in and seeing people grow politically. What I love is when I see people and they come to me and they say, oh, I can't do that, Beth. I never change that. I can't, I'm too small to do that. No one listen to me. And then by the end of the campaign, they're like, right, what are we going to do next? You know, what are we going to do? How are we going to change it? And it's so great to see. So I love those personal changes and people to get them to be inspired to do things in their community. And I think leading is a really, really challenging thing. And I wouldn't, you know, and I know it's been hard for all leaders of Plaid Cymru and other parties as well, because you've got to get everybody around the table and all the different factions to, to come to agreements and all the disagreements that, that one party will have. You've got to try and be as moderate and as charming and as all of these things to different people. And I just, you know, I basically don't think that I would be able to have done any of that. Um, but I cannot, but I know where my strengths are and that's, and, and those are the things that I've gone with um, in my political career. So I'm happy to support others, but I, you know, I, I wouldn't want to do anything like that. Um, you know, I think probably in hindsight, I was probably elected a little bit too young, but then that's just, hindsight isn't it is a wonderful thing only because I probably wasn't as mature as I would have liked to have been and did some stupid things but hey you know um I've come out the other side and and hopefully um people will uh, see that I'm a, a pretty decent person with you know with a caring attitude to 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 others and um and, and I'm in politics for the right reasons but you know I uh, hope my legacy will will, will, will convey that <laughs> Obviously, you said it, it's not the end for you in terms of being involved in politics, even if it's not party politics. You said you remain a, a proactive activist. What sort of issues will you continue to campaign on? I know it's not um, popular always with everybody because, you know, um, we've had these conversations on social media, but I'm really passionate about helping refugees and asylum seekers because, you know, some of them are my friends and they've made me a better person from hearing their stories. So I would love to carry on working uh, with, um, you know, refugees and asylum seeker issues because, you know, I think they're, they're amazing for how they've arrived in this country, some from Syria, um, some from all over the world, uh, um, where they've got individual um, reasons for why they've come that they wouldn't want publicised uh, in, in, in podcasts like this, but have come for uh, reasons that um, are very serious indeed. Um, and then, you know, general um issues um international concerns and then things like housing uh, in wales uh, i'm passionate about and the arts because i'm i'm you know i play the viola i i'm i'm creative so i would love to continue being involved in those types of things because um chairing the culture committee has been amazing it's been something i really needed to give me a different sort of perspective on work as a as a politician and meeting all these amazing organizations in the arts and now with the coronavirus seeing them suffering probably more than many other sectors actually how can we change that around and how we can can we support the art sector uh, here in wales so yeah there's there's, there's enough that i would want to be uh, <laughs> keeping going with talking about your announcement when you decided you were going to stand down you're going to you decided you want to spend more time with your family and especially your you know your young son in idris who's six months six yeah, months so, yeah. what is it about modern Welsh politics that meant you couldn't keep going in the role as it stood? Firstly, I've been reflected on what I've seen said about me. I would just want anybody to know that 
I don't want to put people off. And I think, you know, some of it came across like that and it wasn't within my control um, because obviously I was just commenting to media outlets. So I would really want people to understand that I want women to think and to, to do with this. I don't want them to think that, oh gosh, Bethan's not doing this now. So I couldn't possibly do the same thing because I've got kids or I've got these challenges. It's really, really personal. Some women do amazingly juggling and balancing everything, and I will take my hat off to them. But you know, I'm not going to lie. I was, I, I was putting my name forward. I prepared the designs. I'd set up a Facebook group. I'd, you know, I was starting the campaign. But I was increasingly feeling more and more anxious and more and more sick because I was thinking, I can't do this. I can't do this position. I won't say job because it's more than a job to me. This, this, this means so much to me in my life. You know, when I was single or when I was getting married to Rahil, I've always put 100% um, into this job. Uh, whether anybody wants to believe it or not, I would, you know, finish in the Senate at seven and rush to Ponte de Ven for a, for a meeting uh, about school closures, or I'd go then over to Gower for something else. You know, I, I, and I was exhausted all the time. And I just thought, and even then people would say, why didn't you go to that meeting, Beth? Why weren't you at that event? Why weren't you at that opening? And that's because you're, you can't do everything all the time. So I just thought, well, how am I going to do this? How are people going to, they're going to have more reason to complain potentially if I can't always balance having a, a little baby and being um, a good politician. And also, I'm nearly 40. I've been a politician since I was 25. I thought, well, now is the time for me and my family. You know, if it's not now, when is it going to be? Because he's going to grow up and then I'm never going to see him. So it was a massive deliberation. I, I cry almost on a daily basis thinking, have I done the right thing? But, you know, this is the, the route for me now. And I, I, I'm confident that there will be something else for me and um, that I can contribute in a different way you know people say no well she can get a nanny or something there's no crash in the senate but at the end of the day I just would have felt more comfortable had there been a crash in the senate because I could have popped in in the day I could have gone and seen him I could have taken him out for lunch or something in the day so you know in a job where it's not nine to five you're there from sometimes 7 30 until 10 in the night at an event afterwards it's not as simple as saying you know, get a nanny or just do something else it's it's just never ending and so I just wanted to, I just wanted to do justice by him by my son and thinking that we can um, do more things together but then on the other hand I think well he's not going to see me as an elected politician he's not going to be inspired because I'm going to be you know <laughs> not a politician anymore <laughs> um, but you know gosh you know it's I'm, I'm rambling now because it is such a difficult decision that I've made and I just wanted people to understand that it's purely personal and that it's just as difficult for me as it is to any other person whether they return to work or not you know I'm not going to just sit around twiddling my fingers I might go into doing something part-time who knows but you know for now I, at least I won't be in elected politics I'm not going to just you know go and sit and watch this morning or Jeremy Kyle of Jeremy Kyle asked. I'm going to do things <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've seen some comments that have made me chuckle. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be active. <laughs> I, I don't think there's any danger of him not being inspired. In your opinion, you know, what are the sort of solutions you'd like to, well, you think would work? You'd like to propose to make politics a bit more accessible for, for well, especially for women and for people with young families. I've talked about more members, but 
Well, I, I don't want to talk about it to, to distraction. I just think that um, it would be um, beneficial because, for example, if you're on two main committees like I was before I went on maternity leave, chairing one, the responsibilities of chairing is very big, actually. And then I was on the economy committee as well as the only applied MS. And then there's a lot of responsibility on you because you're scrutinising ministers all the time. And so you can't just rack up and just read a briefing and just hope to be good, um, at least only if you're really, really talented. And I've always been... Um, studious in wanting to read all the papers and uh, get myself familiarized with the subject so I don't come over as if I haven't read all my brief but sometimes when you've got so many other things to do there were days when you would have to do that and I just wasn't comfortable so having more MSs would allow for the slack to be taken off the system and off the other politicians your colleagues so you're not running around like headless chickens all the time so um, in that sense, it would be really beneficial and we could make better laws, we could make better scrutiny sessions then, you know, that's the reality. Um, there's more of us to, to share the load, but there's more, uh, there's more brains to go around as well in a really uh, crude <laughs> description. Um, and then um, my colleague, Sean Gwentrian, like I've said on many of the radio shows I've gone on since, it has always, um, to be fair to her, advocated job sharing and we are looking into it in the party as to what we can do. And I think um, that's something that I would um, totally advocate because I don't think I would have hesitated going back if I knew I could go back part-time. I think it would have just been a matter of, yeah, I'll sort childcare part-time um, uh, and then the, the, the other half of the time I'll be with him and I can do things with him. We need to... To, to show that that can be something that we'll campaign for in the future and I want to be part of that uh, discussion. Uh, and then, of course, like I've said to you already, is, you know, childcare. Um, a lot of them, um, you know, are, um, you know, very busy. They don't take them up, their children on. Um, they've got waiting lists. And I think not only for MSs, but for staff and even people around the Bay, you know, I wouldn't say it just has to be for staff. Of course, you'd have to get all the the, the security checks in, but why not open it up to Boot Town and, 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 the, and the wider area? If you did have a, a crash in the bay, it doesn't have to be exclusive uh, just to, to us. Uh, and that would, would have really um, helped me as well. There, there is clearly um, a, a discussion that needs to happen um, in that regard. So those are the instant things I think that would really help. See, there was a, the example of Stella Creasy in Westminster where she had a, a locum MP sort of uh, do her front-facing job for nine months. Is that something that anyone's had a chat to the Senate Commission about or is that something they've not been keen to, to embrace? Well I have a part-time cover for um, when I'm off. The, um, uh, the remuneration board uh, were very very strong in, in informing me they didn't want it to be called a locum MS or AM as it was at the time because they said it was inappropriate um, I'm, not, I'm not quoting them correctly, um, I mean inappropriate to, to call it a locum in the sense that they weren't elected and that we didn't want to give people the wrong idea. And, but Stella's um, uh, worker, who I met, who I talked to over Zoom, because he is not elected to anything, but they got around um, that um, and, and were able to call her a locum uh, MP. And I think that gives him more status. Had Sarah in my office been able to have uh, been um, called that by her title, because sometimes she's been refused access to meetings when actually she is me on earth at the moment. And I, and I think that's just rude. What I would hope the remuneration board would do would be A, to in, uh, increase that type of cover uh, to full time because they said that um, I, I didn't need more than a part time cover. I would obviously um, say that we needed full time. And also then 
come up with a title that even if they didn't want to call it a locum, that it was something that had more robust um, and had more respect. So yeah, we campaigned for that and we were successful, although I was told that they were planning to talk about some of these things anyway. Proxy voting as well, that was introduced. So Diloid votes for me. Um, but I did say we should be able to vote um, virtually, but now they're doing it anyway. So I was talking about these things um, for many years and now I'm glad to see that they're doing it, although I had to take a pandemic for it to happen. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? You see that the, all these things they said were impossible for <laughs> decades are now very possible. I just imagine it's the same in the Senate as it is in Westminster. Um, yeah. What was the reaction in the Senate when you, when you raised all these issues and what was the sort of public reaction to your announcement I, I know you you were you know quite you know not happy is the wrong word quite overwhelmed by how nice everyone was to you um do you want to talk <laughs> a little bit about that oh gosh I, I don't want to say this in a negative way but perhaps it's because people only realize when you're going what you've done you know people realize oh gosh they actually look and they look back and see the things you've done and uh, and I was really grateful that people thought that I had contributed a lot to many different issues and it was quite emotional then to read oh you got in touch with me when we did this campaign or somebody else saying you you helped me in this situation and you know so it was um yeah it was very very nice to read when I was feeling pretty you know sort of not torn because I knew I was going to make that decision but yeah it was just a difficult time so I was really pleased that people were, were nice and you know I did see some negatives as well but you know you always you always get that but generally colleagues and you know people who, who I'd worked with over the years were really supportive and um, but also the only thing I would say that was a tiny bit you know would not annoyed me because I would give my reasons why I was standing down was like I just want people to think, yeah, I, I am standing down perhaps because some of the reasons that I've given in terms of childcare and, and stuff, but I, 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 have, I have done more than that and there are more issues to discuss than, than, than that. And I'm glad there's a focus on these childcare issues and diversity in the Senate in general, um, but also um, I think especially women, female politicians, we sort of get pigeonholed into these specific boxes and I just want people to know, um, I hope that they can see that, you know, there's lots of other issues that I've been involved in over the years and hopefully can still advocate uh, on their behalf in different ways in the future. So what's, so what's next? Uh, obviously, you've said you're not going to be watching uh, Good Morning Britain or uh, Homes Under the Hammer <laughs> anytime soon. But what do you think the next, you know, next steps are for you? Well, you know, somebody said to me as well, or oh, you, you know, everybody who stand, stands down like this would have a plan. Or then somebody else cynically said, oh, it must be something to do with um, how politics is going right now. And, you know, there's parts to do with that, because I mentioned in my statement about the toxicity of debate and um, you know, some of it is to do also with me wanting to find my, my creativity and my spark. Again, I feel like I've lost a bit of that in my politics. Um, and, you know, I, I'm looking forward to, to, to doing that. I, I don't know on a professional level is, is, is the frank answer because I'm not really planning on, on you know, jumping into some, something straight away. What I was talking about in terms of activism was me, you know, taking part as a you know, uh, as you would or any other volunteer in a campaign and just getting involved as I used to. So uh, if, the, if there are doors that open for, for different things, then, uh, you know, I'm, I, I'll, I'll look at it, but I don't really have <laughs> a clear vision right now of, uh, of what I'd like to do. Uh, you know, that's, yeah, sorry to disappoint. <laughs> do you ever see yourself standing for election again? 
think, you know, I wouldn't say no, because I think I still have that, you know, energy and I still have um, ideas. Um, it's just where I am in my life at the moment. We had an internal election campaign that I didn't feel I would want wanted to fight while on maternity leave. That, that took the energy out of me on that professional level. So I do have more to give. And, you know, if, if Plaid wanted me on that, you know, if Plaid members wanted me to do that in the future, then I wouldn't um, uh, say no. It's just about the appropriateness of, of where I would stand and, and, and if people wanted me, basically, you know, at the end of the day. When I stood in 2007, I seemed to be in the right place at the right time. Janet Davis had retired and, you know, sometimes things happen in life and you just find yourself there. So potentially in the future, I might find myself doing it again, but I'm not going to, if it doesn't happen, then, you know, because if you, if you plan that that's what you want to do, then for me, that never happens. So if, 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 that's what some, that, if that's something that does happen, then yeah, that'd be nice. But um, otherwise I might, might do something totally different. Who knows? <laughs> Bethan, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. If you like what you've heard tonight, uh, please find us on Medium at Blog Cymru, on Facebook at Blog Cymru, and on Twitter at Blog. Thank you for listening to Hereith. If you like what you heard, please don't forget to subscribe, rate and review.